Welcome to Souls Harbor's weekly podcast. We believe that God has called us to lead people into a relationship with Jesus Christ, help them grow to be like Jesus, and involve them in reaching lost people. Listen now to this week's message. Hey guys, I hope somebody's out there tonight. If you are, hit like, let us know you're there. Uh, We're getting ready to jump into our breakout group tonight and into our Bible study and going to be a good time, so I hope you can join us. Hit like, let us know that you're out there. We're going to just wait a few minutes and let some people come on in and join us. Hi, Tiffany. Good to have you tonight. I see Ruthie's joined us, so hopefully we'll have a few more jumping in there. There's Bill. Hey, I'm learning some things about this whole Facebook Live as we go through this, as I learn to teach and preach and speak uh, uh, in a different format. One of the things I've figured out is I don't see everybody that comes through, so if I miss you tonight... Um, forgive me for that. Uh, I I know you're there. I go back and look afterwards. Uh, I see Dee Dee's out there and Jessica's with us now and Christine and Scott. Hey, Scott. Glad you guys joined us. We'll keep going for a little bit. Hey, last uh, Sunday we did a kind of a fun thing. We had people take pictures of um, their worship experience, their church service experience. And I just want you to see this. We actually legitimately have a Starbucks card that I will be sending out here real shortly to the winner of that. Uh, so they should have it by next Sunday, um, before then probably, and we'll let you know who the winner was once we get that all figured out. So that's coming. Uh, also, last week we spoke out of, or I spoke out of Daniel chapter 2. I taught there. Uh, people still coming in. Hi, Debbie. There's Linda. Let's see. I see Steve. Hi, Steve. Uh, Joe's with us now. And there's Katie and Christine. Welcome, guys. Come on in. Uh, People still coming in. So last week I spoke out of Daniel 2, and I really spent most of the time uh, dealing with like current events and and application for today. And at the very end, we just kind of touched on some of the prophetic pieces that come out of that. And I told you last week that we would, this week, we would um, try to jump into some more of that. So because tonight's lesson is as big as it is, what I decided to do was make a separate video of the second part of last week, chapter 2, and it's available now on YouTube in our playlist. We have a, a Daniel, a Daniel's Prophecies playlist on our YouTube channel, and there should be a link to that out there tonight. Uh, so if you want to listen to that, I think it's about 20 minutes long, and I go into some of the, the chapter 2 um, uh, interpretations and understanding that apply to our world today, and there's some links in there that'll take you to some news articles as well. So I encourage you to go listen to that. I think you might enjoy it. Um, it's not something that goes super, super deep, but I, I think there's some stuff in there you would really enjoy. So I wanted to let you know about that as well. Uh, I see Stephanie's with us now, and good to have you. Uh, and let's see who else we got. Kayla's with us. I see her coming in. So if I've missed anybody, forgive me. Hey, we're going to pray tonight, and we're going to jump into this Daniel study. So tonight, we're going to be in chapter 4 of Daniel, and we're going to actually look at some other passages as well along the way. So get your Bibles, uh, grab your Bible apps, and let's get ready to do that. But before we do that tonight, we want to pray real real quickly. And uh, we want to pray for Joe Ingalls tonight also. He's um, had a little bit of an accident at work. And uh, my understanding is he's okay, but he is pretty sore. Uh, And I won't go into any more detail than that with you tonight. But just keep him in your prayers if you would as well. So let's take a moment and let's pray and pray over our study. Then we're going to jump in tonight. Go, I think we're going to try to go uh, till about 7. Probably, hopefully, no longer than that. Maybe not even quite that long. Lord, we love you. 
Uh, thank you so much for those that are joining joining us tonight in this breakout group online. I, I pray, God, as we study your word, we study, study Daniel tonight, that you would help us to grab the truth of the word of God and apply it to our lives and to our families and to our world around us. Tonight's a really good lesson. God, I pray your, your word's not just for head knowledge, it's for heart knowledge and life change. And I pray tonight as we delve into this, God, that you would help us to do those things. We pray for Joe tonight. We ask you to touch him. We pray, God, that you would uh, keep him safe, that you would touch his body, that you would heal him and strengthen him as uh, he's dealing with some stuff from an accident earlier today. We thank you that he is as safe as he is and and no long-term harm was done is our understanding. And we just pray that you be with him and his family today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, hey, grab your Bibles, like I said, or your Bible apps, and we're going to actually start tonight in Proverbs chapter 16. Uh, I see Kim's with us now, and Christine, welcome, glad to have you guys. And uh, one of the other things I've learned about Facebook Live is trying to teach is, I found this out last week, I asked some questions, and there were, from my perspective, there were no responses. Well, I found out after the fact there were, but there's like a five-second delay from me asking a question, it getting to you, you responding, and it getting back to me. So I've got some things tonight, because I really would love this to be a little bit interactive. I've got some things tonight I'm going to ask you. Um, and, and I'm going to try to put put a little bit of a head start in there and let you um, answer them if you would. Uh, so we'll see how, how that goes. Uh, this is just a whole different way of teaching and preaching, but we're getting the hang of it over time. Proverbs time. We're going to actually start in Proverbs chapter 16. Um, if you would go with me to chapter 16, verse 18, let me just read this verse to begin with. And this kind of sets the stage, sets the tone, sets, sets the theme for what we're going to look at tonight in Daniel chapter uh, 4. So Proverbs 16, 18 says this, Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit goes before the fall. So here's a question for you, and we'll see if I can make this delay work out. We'll see how this goes. What do you suppose the theme tonight, based on that verse I just read, what do you suppose the theme for Daniel chapter 4 might be tonight? If anybody's got a thought on that, um, give me a comment, throw it out there. I'm going to kind of watch and see how long it takes to get an answer so I can get a feel for this give and take tonight as we delve into uh, this study. You guys throw it out there and I'll wait for the first response to pop up on my screen. And if you don't know and nobody responds, then you can respond, I don't know, PB, that I don't have any idea. At least then I'll get a response back so I can have a little bit of an idea how the time frame works. So we'll see where that goes. While I'm waiting on that, there it is. Okay, I got my first response. So you see the time delay. That was from Cheryl. And you are right, pride. And Scotty threw something out there for us. He's right as well, humility. So that's kind of the theme tonight as we get into Nebuchadnezzar, uh, his, his, his story in chapter 4 of Daniel. So let's do that. Turn over with me to Daniel chapter 4, verse 1. Now, I'm going to read these first three verses, and I want you to understand this. If you've ever watched a TV show or a movie... And they kind of begin the movie with the end of the movie. Uh, so they'll start out with a um, kind of the end scene. Maybe it's dramatic. Maybe it's unexpected. Maybe it's a bizarre place for some, some of the characters that we follow in a series to go. And they kind of start out there. And they give you that in the first 30, 60, 90 seconds, two minutes. And then they go back in time. And they pick up the rest of the, of the episode. And they show you how they get to that place. Well, that's kind of what happens in Daniel chapter 4. So let me read these first three verses and just know this. What I'm going to read is where 
uh, Nebuchadnezzar ends up, not where he begins. So we're going to read the first three verses, and then we're going to find out how he gets to this place. So let me just read this for you tonight. Chapter 4, verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar, to the nations and the peoples of every language who live in all the earth, may you prosper greatly. He says this, and he says in verse 2, It's my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. So Nebuchadnezzar is telling the world, he said, Hey, I'm, I'm so excited to tell you guys about this, the signs and the wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. And you notice Most High God is each word capitalized. Um, that's because... Uh, he's talking about our God, Yahweh, the one true God. He goes on in verse 3, then he says, How great are his signs, how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. And he goes on and says, His dominion endures from generation to generation. So that's where Nebuchadnezzar ends up. He ends up at a place where he's aware of how awesome our God is and how awesome his God is. Now let's go back to verse, or let's go to verse 4 and let's find out, let's look at the story how does this guy get there? What does he have to go through to have this experience? And I'm going to tell you, it's crazy. What he goes through is just out of control. So let's let's look at this a little bit. Let's pick up with verse 4. We're going back in time now. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, uh, contented and prosperous. Now here's a question for you, okay? What was the condition of Nebuchadnezzar's world when this whole story kind of began, okay? What was the condition of his world, his mind, his perspective, his reality, whenever this happened? Let me read this again, and you guys listen for that, and if you get it when you get it, throw it out there. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. I had a dream that made me afraid. This guy needs to lay off the pizza at night, right? I know some of you are thinking of that. This guy has way too many dreams. But anyway, he has a dream. Laying in his bed at night, and the, image and the images and the visions that passed through my mind terrified me. So I commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be brought before me to interpret the dream for me. Anybody throw out for me an answer what his condition was, what his perspective on the world was whenever this all happened? We kind of find it in verse 4 there, and I'm looking, and I don't see anything popping up. So let me toss this to you guys. Um, according to verse 4, in his palace, he was contented, and he was prosperous. So think about this with me for a second. What are the conditions that tend to make him and us more susceptible to pride? Is it when things are going really well, or is it when things are a bit of a challenge? Now, I didn't get an answer from anybody that I, I see there. I see Cheryl throughout flourishing. Um, he he was contented and prosperous, and knowing that, I've, I've kind of got to think it's when things are going well that we struggle a little bit more with the problem of pride. Riches is another part of that. Absolutely, I see that. And why do you suppose that is? Why is it that we and Nebuchadnezzar, it's a human condition, we struggle when things are going well? I mean, think about this with me. Why is it that we struggle whenever, um, you know, we're getting a pay raise, um, we're getting our promotions, our marriage is just going really, really well, everything's falling into place. Those are the moments that we struggle with pride. What do you suppose it would be that causes that? Do you think maybe... Um, it could be because it's our, in our human nature to think, wow, if things are really going this well, I must be really doing some stuff right. 
And I do. I think that's our human nature, and that's what Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, why wouldn't he? He's looking around. He's contented. He's prosperous. He's if he's he's ruling the world. Everybody bows to him. Why not begin to think, Wow, I really am something. I really am. So we see that beginning to pop up here. Let's let's read on a little further in this. Um, I also find it interesting in verse 6. He says, So I commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be brought before me to interpret the dream for me. Do you remember last week what he did when he had his first dream? Do you remember? In Daniel chapter 2, um, he actually called the same people to him. And he said, Hey guys, I want you to give me my dream. Tell me what my dream was and then give me the interpretation. And do you guys remember what happened whenever he did that? It was like this big, major goose egg, zero. They choked. They couldn't do it. So when he has a second dream and it keeps him awake at night, what does he do? He goes back to the very same people that couldn't help him, couldn't give him an answer in the previous experience. Now, it's easy for us to begin to think, man, Nebuchadnezzar, that's lame. What is wrong with you? Are you really that, you know, that dense? But I want you to stop and consider for a minute, okay? In our own experience, in our own lives, when we get ourselves into trouble and in, in, into a mess, how often do we find ourselves, rather than going first to God, our God, and, and really looking to Him for help, we go back to the same places that have failed us in the past? I don't know about you guys, but I'll, I'll be honest, um, there's been more than one time in my life where I find myself doing the same kind of thing. I go to the same place for the same help that didn't work the last time, um, rather than getting on my knees and actually going to God. So I, I, I kind of think, Nebuchadnezzar, really? Are you that, I mean, is it that that bad? Are you that that dense? But then I stop and really think about my own life sometimes. And yeah, I can kind of understand uh, how he gets there. And maybe I don't have too much room to criticize and complain. Hey, let's read a little further here. Let's jump down into verse 10, Okay. Uh, here's the visions that this guy had. So he had a dream, kept him up at night, troubled him. It was a big deal. He called Daniel. Uh, he called the wise men. And actually, before I jump down to verse 10, let me read verse 8. There's something really important in there. It says, finally, finally after the wise men couldn't help him, again, finally Daniel came into my into his presence, into my presence, he says, and I, and I told him the dream. And he says something interesting here, and I want you to get this. He is called, Daniel is called Belshazzar, after the name of my God, and notice that's a small G-O-D, if you're reading along with me this evening, it's a small G-O-D. He, he is named after my God and the spirit of the holy gods. Notice plural, small g again, the spirit of the holy gods is in him. So we see something about Nebuchadnezzar right there in that place. He believes in Yahweh. He believes in Daniel's God. We know that from previous readings, but he still believes in his God, small g-o-d, and he still believes in multiple gods. So he's he's believing in Yahweh, our God, but not solely. And he's not just not quite there yet. So let's jump down to verse 10 and look at this crazy dream that this guy had, okay? These are the visions that I saw while I was laying in my bed. I looked, and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. The tree grew large and strong, and its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Now, let me ask you a question, and I'm going to read a little bit further here, but I'll give you a chance to respond if you remember this. Do you remember last week when we studied Daniel chapter 2? He had a dream of a statue, and if you remember, 
uh, the top of the statue, the head of the statue, was made out of gold. And as we got into last week's interpretation, Daniel came back to him and said, hey, God has shown me that, and he gave an interpretation of who the gold head represented. Do you remember who the gold head represented? If you do, I'd, I'd like you to throw it out there for us and, and let us know. While you're doing that and I'm waiting on that pause to kick in for me, let me pick up with verse 12. So he sees this tree that's stretching to the sky and it's visible to the ends of the earth. It's huge. Verse 12, its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant, and on it was food for all. Under it, the wild animals found shelter and the birds lived in its branches. From it, every creature was fed. Anybody get an idea on who it was? The gold head was Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, that's right. Um, and again, Scotty, I'm going to have to give you a, the other Starbucks card, it looks like, maybe. Um, although you got access to that all the time. Maybe not. Joe said God. Okay, we got something from Cheryl there. Linda says himself. So we're getting some answers in. Terrific. Glad you guys are are throwing some stuff out there for me. You're, you're right. The gold head was Nebuchadnezzar. So, so thinking about that, if the gold head was Nebuchadnezzar, who do you suppose maybe this tree that he's dreamed about that stretches to the sky is seen from the whole earth, um, covers all living things, it shelters all living things, it feeds all living things. Who do you suppose maybe uh, this tree represents? If you're thinking, and if you said, well, that must also likely be Nebuchadnezzar, then you would be right. I mean, this guy seems to dream a lot about himself being in the most high prominent position. Now, we happen to believe that it's God putting the dreams in his heart for a reason, but in this case, that's right. So it is Nebuchadnezzar. And let's pick this up with verse 13. In the vision I saw while lying in my bed, I looked, and there before me was a holy one, a messenger coming down from heaven. And he called in a loud voice, Cut down the tree and trim off its branches, strip off its leaves, and scatter its fruit. Well, you can see why this is troubling. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream about himself as a tree, which is kind of bizarre in and of itself, right? But not only that, he then has a dream that says God came down, or a messenger from God came down and said, Hey, cut the tree down. Well, I can understand why that would be a bit troubling. It would trouble me as well, you know, to see God come down with an axe and start chopping into me. Uh, it, it says then, it goes on to say, Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches, but let the stump in its roots be bound with iron and bronze remain in the ground and the grass of the field. Now here's something to think about, okay? Uh, God has commanded in this dream, cut down this tree that is Nebuchadnezzar. And we kind of know the reason for this may very well be a pride issue. We've kind of set that stage already. But why do you suppose he had the iron put around the stump? Why do you suppose he had this iron, had, had the, the, the stump bound up? Um, I, I think it's something we probably don't do much anymore. Um, but it was to protect the stump and keep it from decaying and completely wasting away. In other words, God was telling Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, you're going to pay a price, but that price is not going to be completely destroying you. Um, there is going, and, and here's the thing, this is the place for grace, and this is what I want you to see tonight. Even when God deals with us about our sin, whether it's the sin of pride or another sin in our life, God still loves us, and there's still a lot of grace extended to us. And, and I hope tonight, if you're listening to this, and there's something going on in your life, and your world that you're, you're struggling with, whatever it may be, I want you to know this. God loves you enough to do two things. He loves you enough um, 
to let things get hard for you if your heart is hard. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But he also loves you enough to protect you even as he figures out a way to break down the hardness in your heart. Let's read on a little bit here, okay? Um, let's pick up with verse, um, well, the very next verse there. Let him be drenched with dew of heaven and let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man and let him be given the mind of an animal till seven times pass by for him. So notice something that happens here, okay? We, we're, he's having this dream about the tree. And he's told about the stump's going to be bound up and, and protected. But then in the next verse, it says, it, it changes from talking about the tree to says, it says, let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. And it, it goes to talk from talking about the tree to talking about specifically Nebuchadnezzar. And it says, let him be given the mind of an animal till seven times seven pass um, by him. That's huge. I mean, think about the context of what that's saying and what that's describing for this guy. That's brutal. Your mind is going to become the mind of an animal for a period of time. Uh, you know, we're going to come back to this and talk about it a little bit, but something to think about even right now is, wow, is that grace? Allowing something that hard to happen, is that grace? We'll, we'll come back to that thought in a little bit. Now, let's look at this a little further from the Daniel perspective. We looked at it from the Proverbs perspective at the beginning, but let's look at it a little bit further from the Daniel perspective. Why is God allowing this to happen to Nebuchadnezzar? Let's pick it up in verse 17. The decision is announced by the messenger. The holy ones declared the verdict. So that the living may know. Now, here's the reason why. So that the living may know that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of people. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I find that a bit humorous, okay? The first part, not so much, but the second part. The first part is this. I'm Daniel, or not Daniel, but Nebuchadnezzar, this is going to happen to you so that the living will know. Everybody's going to know that you're not in charge. You think you're in charge, but you're not in charge. Everybody's going to know that it is the God, the Most High, that's in charge. Okay, I, I get that, and, and that's not funny. But then he goes on, and they're also going to know that he sets over them the lowliest of people. Do you see the funny, the humor in that? Um, in this dream, uh, Nebuchadnezzar has been likened to a great tree the whole world sees that protects everybody, and God says, cut him down. And then he goes on and he tells Nebuchadnezzar, listen, you're going through this so that the whole world will know that the people that I set over them is the lowliest of the low. Do you understand what God's saying to Nebuchadnezzar? Nebuchadnezzar, you think you're something amazing, something great, but you're not just low, you're the lowest of the low. I, and maybe my humor's a little bit weird, but I find that just kind of funny that God actually equates this in the world's eyes, in his own eyes, this great man to actually be the lowliest of the low. He goes on in verse 18 then, and he says, This is the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had Had now. Belshazzar, tell me what it means, for none of the wise men in my kingdom can interpret it for me, but you can because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. So we come to a really um, good place, stopping place there, and we're going to keep going with this lesson tonight just a little bit, but there's a, a transition that takes place. We begin to slip into the interpretation by Daniel. Now, I want you to stop for a minute. And I want you to think with me. If you were Daniel, okay, how would you be feeling right now? 
God's given you the interpretation. You know that the tree is Nebuchadnezzar. You know what it means that he's going to be chopped down. You know you've caught the meaning of the lowliest of the low is placed over his people. You know this, and you're standing before Nebuchadnezzar, who nobody talks back to, right? And you are charged with telling him what God wants you to tell him. Uh, let's read verse 19 and see Daniel's perspective or Daniel's feelings at this point. Then Daniel also called Belshazzar, was greatly troubled or greatly perplexed for a time. Yeah, I can see why he would be perplexed. I would be too. How do I tell Nebuchadnezzar he's going to go eat grass and be crazy for seven years um, and live to uh, make it through the experience? So he was perplexed for a time and his thoughts terrified him. So finally, the king said, Belshazzar, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. Belshazzar answered, my lord, it is if only the dream applied to your enemies and the meaning to your, your adversaries. Now, let me just stop there for a second and say this. Nebuchadnezzar had his problems and his issues, right? Pride being a really big one. Um, and if we'll be honest, we all tend to struggle at times with some form of pride or arrogance. Sometimes it takes the form of insecurity, um, being unwilling to say we're wrong or ever be wrong or acknowledge we're wrong. But I will say this for Nebuchadnezzar. This is one thing that he did have going for him that sometimes we don't have. Nebuchadnezzar, even though he had the great deal of pride he had, when it came right down to it, he was willing to listen to God. He came to Belshazzar or Daniel and said to Daniel, listen, I don't care how bad it is. I don't care what it is. I want you to tell me the truth. I, so this is one of the things Nebuchadnezzar had, did have going for him. He wanted to hear the truth. Tell me the truth, Daniel. And, and I, I would challenge you with this tonight. Let's look at our own hearts and our, ask ourselves, are we really willing to hear the hard stuff? Are we really? Do we have people in our life that can come to us and speak truth into our lives, can speak hard things into our lives? Or have we built up such a wall of pride or a wall of insecurity, and many times they're almost the same thing, to where we just we may listen, but we won't hear it. Well, Belshazzar, not Belshazzar, but Nebuchadnezzar, for all of his faults, at least was willing to hear what God had to say. Let's read on just a little bit further here. Um, let's jump down to 22. Your Majesty, Daniel begins to give the interpretation. Your Majesty, you are the tree. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky. And your dominion extends to distant parts of the earth. In verse 24, it says, this is the interpretation. And let's jump down then to verse 27. Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice, repentance, renounce your sin by doing what is right. And he goes on and he says this. He says, and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be then that your prosperity will continue. Basically, Daniel lays for, out, out for him everything I've been talking about. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, you're the tree. Your pride is causing you. You're going to be cut down. You're going to lose your kingdom. You're going to lose your mind. You're going to wander into the fields. And for seven years, you're going to eat grass. It says, in, in uh, verse 25 and 26, you're going to eat grass like the oxen. And at the end of seven years, at the end of seven years, your mind will come back to you. And only then will you give God and God the glory that he deserves. And Daniel gives him this advice in verse 27. I just read it. Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. 
renounce your sins by doing what is right. And I find this interesting, and this is true for Nebuchadnezzar, and it's true for us. When God loves us enough to come and allow hard things to work in our lives, there is always a way to turn it, and that way is to repent. But so often we make repentance out to be saying, I'm sorry, and I hope you get this tonight. Repentance is not saying, God, I'm sorry. Repentance is saying, God, I'm sorry, but then doing what is right. Repentance isn't just, God, I'm sorry, which many times just means I don't want to go through the hard stuff. It's saying, God, I realize the direction my life was going was wrong, and it's turning around and going the other direction. And that's what Daniel challenged Nebuchadnezzar with. Nebuchadnezzar, give it up and go a different direction. And Nebuchadnezzar, as so often we do, he refused. Let's pick this up with verse 28 and 29, or 29. Twelve months later, okay, twelve months later. Notice that, twelve months later. Why do you suppose it was twelve months? Probably because God is still a God of patience and a God of love and a God of grace. He gave Nebuchadnezzar twelve months. But at the end of twelve months, something happened. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, I, is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power? Notice that by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty. Uh, and that was the last straw. Even as the words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox. Seven times will pass by you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and give them to anyone he wishes. Now let me bring this to a conclusion tonight. I want you to think about this with me if you would. How significant is this to us Christians? Let me um, read you a few passages out of the New Testament that deal with humility, that applies to us. And we've got these posted, I believe, in the Facebook page as well. Let me just read these real quickly. Colossians 3.12 Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Ephesians 4.2 Be completely humble, Completely humble, he says, and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. James 4.10, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. And the last one's an Old Testament reference that I even preached on myself a few times. And you, you all have heard, many of you, Second Chronicles 7.14, which I think where our nation is right now is really super applicable. And notice it's to the people of God, not to those that don't know him. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear, hear, hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Um, I, I, I want to just, let me just read this about American culture right now. Uh, I, I hope you're coming to see God is not a fan of pride. He hates pride. And maybe you've never thought about the reason why, but I want you to think about it in this context. God dislikes pride so much because pride steals what rightfully belongs to God and attempts to give it to somebody or something that's completely unworthy. We live in a prideful, arrogant culture. Pride and self-confidence are praised as virtues in our country today. And listen to me, if you watch any of our politicians on either side of the aisle talk for more than 
two minutes, you absolutely see pride at its worst. Um, I mean, just imagine Nebuchadnezzar in our culture today. You can almost see the headlines being written. American success story. Uh, here's a man of accomplishment. He set his mind to do great things, and he did them. Uh, see, in America, patting ourselves on the back uh, is become something that's not only accepted, but actually actually seen as, as, as a good thing. But I want us to get this tonight because we as the people of God need to be different. God absolutely hates it. Um, don't, you know, the old saying that I heard that's kind of silly is don't pat yourself on the back too hard. You might break your own arm. Um, scripturally, it goes like this. Don't praise yourself. Let another praise you. Okay. Um, that's a very true, real, powerful thing. I want you to think about it in this context, and, and this will be my last couple of thoughts tonight. Um, Nebuchadnezzar was put in the place that he was in as a steward. God put him there, and his job was to steward God's creation, God's people, God's world, if you will. Even, even though he was not a godly man, God is the one that placed him in control placed him in leadership. And I'm going to tell you, that's true today for those that lead our nation on all different levels, in our states, and our churches, and our communities, not just on a national level. God has placed them there. God has also placed each one of you in a place of leadership on some level, in some way, in your family, in your job, in your neighborhood, in your community. And we need to understand this. We as the people of God, we are stewards, okay? God has blessed us as a nation. He's blessed us as a, as a people. He's blessed each of us on different levels with, with prosperity and blessings and wealth and, and just a variety of things. And, and we've got to remember that those things come from God and give God the glory and God the praise. You know, those of us that are Christians and, and, and really follow the concept of tithing, we already know that the 10% is God's anyway, and that's part of the reason that we, we choose to give it, because it's obedience and honoring to God. But you know, the reality is, everything I have, I have because God has allowed me to have it, and God has blessed me. And everything we have is God's. We are just stewards. So we need to be really careful and really watch our heart. The jobs I have, the income I have, the house I have, the cars I have, the family I have, the health I have, those things come to me because God has brought them to me. Not because I'm better, not because I'm more deserving. None of us are, but we have those things uh, as stewards. And, and last night we prayed this prayer, God, um, will you um, let your kingdom come? And we pray, God, give us the resources that are needed in order to let that happen. We need to remember that we're stewards because if the, the, the minute, the moment, the time we don't, we begin to think, wow, look what I have done. Then we set ourselves up to live our lives in a place where God is liable to bring us down because we're allowing pride to slip in. Let me read this last little bit here and we're going to pray. Um, we tend to think of God's grace as being peaceful, comforting, and it often is that. But how about this? What about understanding the importance of um, loving violence of God's grace. Now that's a concept we don't get our heads around very well. The loving violence of God's grace. Why would God do such an extreme thing to Nebuchadnezzar? Think about what he went through. It was, it was, it was crazy. It was horrible. It was horrendous. Why did God allow it? Well, here's the reason why. God knew the hardness of Nebuchadnezzar's heart. 
And when we think of grace, we usually do think of that comfortable thing. But sometimes the most loving, comfortable thing God can do for us. And let me add this to our kids and our grandkids and our neighbors and our brothers and our sisters and our spouses and people that we love that are are fleeing from him or running from him. Sometimes the most loving thing God can do is allow his grace to become uncomfortable. Because his grace becomes the hammer it becomes the hammer of his love towards us. It's the hammer that breaks up that stony ground of our hearts. And, and it depends on how hard our heart is as to how hard the grace has to be that gets extended to us. Sometimes my heart is so hard that the most loving thing God can do is offer some hardship that can break it up, break up that soil. And now listen to me, and, and, and we're going to pray. God loves you. And I don't know where your heart is tonight. I, I, I know most of you, many of you, maybe all of you, you love Jesus. You're, you're walking in a right relationship with God. Um, but yet we still have to watch our own hearts daily and, and examine our hearts. David said that. Is there something that has slipped in or slipping in that you just become really comfortable with? Because if it is, will you tonight repent of it? Will you tonight give God a chance um, will you tonight get on your knees and spend a moment with God and say, forgive me and change, do what Nebuchadnezzar wouldn't do, walk a different direction? Because here's the thing, if we don't, if we don't, whether it's pride or something else, if we don't, God loves us so much that he will allow, allow hard grace to come our way to break up the hardness of our heart. And for some of you that have been praying for loved ones for a long time, that have been dealing with this kind of stuff, you know what? You need to keep praying for them, and then you need to turn them over to God and say, God, whatever you have to do to break up their hard heart, let it be done. That's the most loving thing that God can do, and it's the most loving thing that you can do. Hey, let's pray. Thank you guys for hanging with me. Uh, we went about 30 minutes or so tonight. I hope you grabbed some stuff out of that. Hi, Peggy. I see you tonight. I see you, you, you popped on. You just, just rolled onto my screen. It's good to have you with us tonight. And Stacy's out there as well. And I see Willie's with us tonight. And everybody else that I haven't already said hi to is off my screen. So Dee Dee, I guess, I, yeah, Dee Dee's there as well. It's good to see you guys all tonight. Let's pray. And we're going to check out. We'll be back on Sunday, Palm Sunday. God's given me a really... Um, cool message for Sunday morning. I hope you guys will connect back with us and uh, just come and worship with us. Hey, listen, last thing, grab a hold of that worship set that we're putting out every Sunday. And I really want us to have a common worship experience. And if you can listen to that before we get into the service on Sunday, that would be awesome. That way we just kind of have that common worship experience as we get ready to go into God's time of the word. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much. I, I thank you for this church, for my family. For the people here, I pray God tonight for Joe again that you would touch him and strengthen him. I saw him check in online just a few minutes ago. I pray that you'd be with him, God, as he's undoubtedly sore. Um, God, I, we're praying and believing there's going to be no long-term consequences of, of the accident that he's had. And we're just believing you to be with him. We pray tonight, God, over our entire family, uh, church family and extended family. God, protect and keep as we hear this uh, area is becoming a, a, an emerging hot spot. We're asking you to protect each one, to keep them safe, God, from this virus. And we love you and we praise you and we ask you, Lord, to break up the stony places in our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey guys, love you. Have a great week. And uh, I hope to see you on Sunday. Take care. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you're looking for a church home or are interested in what God is doing through Souls Harbor, visit us at www.soulsharborag.com.
If you have an encouraging story of what God has done in your life through these podcasts, please share it with us at sharbor at indy.rr.com.